0: Welcome to the MUFG APEC Insights podcast. We have seen an aggressive amount of monetary and fiscal stimulus recently. Global economies are now looking at how to reverse this to deal with disruptions from the coronavirus pandemic. The focus now is on the Federal Open Market Committee after the Jackson Hole speech in September. With that in mind, Derek Halpenny, Head of Research for EMEA and International Securities, and Matthew Fennessy, Head of Global Market Sales for Global Subsidiary Banking in Asia, discussed the Fed's likely launch of QE tapering by year-end, the impact of the Delta variant, and how economies in Asia will respond. The following podcast is for information purposes only. It is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties, and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment businesses or investment recommendations.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're recording this podcast as a follow-up to a webinar that we hosted on the 8th of September. Derek, our strategist based in London, and myself uh, based in Singapore, we had a conversation titled... And now for the tricky part, focusing on the Fed and the rate cycle and the impact of uh, of those on the Asia, Asian economy. Um, I have Derek here with me who will give us the latest updates on those developments. Uh, so, Derek, maybe we could start with the Fed. What What is the view from you on, on the Fed and the latest developments uh, since Jackson Hole and, and further on from there? Hi, Matt. Uh, great great to be
2: with you. Uh, yeah, like when I spoke at the, the webinar last week, you know, the, the crux of, of the view in terms of the dollar weakening against a number of G10 currencies, but not all G10 currencies through until the middle of next year, is premised on the Fed being very cautious in reversing the monetary stimulus put in place after the the onset of COVID last year. It's a very tricky process, as was implied by the title of the webinar last week. I do think mistakes were made in in the previous tightening cycle that I think the Fed wants to make sure they avoid this time. The new monetary policy strategy announced in Jackson Hole in August 2020 will, I think, really shape uh, the Fed's caution going forward from here. And the, the key update, I guess, since we spoke last week is, of course, the inflation data from the US, which came in uh, weaker than expected, and uh, clearly takes some of the concerns about transitory inflation becoming something more permanent. Now, it hasn't removed all of those risks. The, you know, There were still components within the inflation data that suggests some underlying price pressures are building, but certainly the transitory components related to COVID, the pandemic, and the shift in consumption patterns there was clear evidence of, of those inflationary spikes reversing, and that's reassured the market's tenure yields have dropped. And I think it, it kind of reinforces the prospects, number one, of the Fed doing very little next week. Uh, I think you know any last lingering speculation that the Fed might announce something next week is clearly gone now. And I think it's much, much more likely now that it's going to be something in relation to tapering being announced in terms of its plan in November, and possibly implemented in december or possibly even a plan announced in december not to start until january 2022. so a very cautious reversal of the stimulus is is what lies ahead for the markets and i think from a from a us dollar perspective that certainly opens up the prospects of some of some um, of some dollar weakness going forward from here
1: you, you say that the, the inflation data has certainly uh, reassured markets. You know, that's, uh, that's good to hear. But I think one of the more interesting topics that was picked up in the webinar was where you looked at the previous uh, Fed rate hiking cycle and the infamous taper tantrum and how you thought that this upcoming cycle might be different. Would you, would you like to touch on that?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like the, the taper tantrum gets an awful lot of press and, and is very well known and an infamous kind of event. Uh, it, yields did jump on and, and the dollar, but then reversed through the remainder of 2013. Really, if you hone in on 2014 through 2016, you had the, the tapering of QE for the first 10 months of 2014. You had then the first rate hike in December, 2015, and the second rate hike in December, 2016. If you take that period of time, and all the attention tends to be given to what the Fed were doing, but the dollar response back then wasn't just what the Fed were doing. It was what all the other central banks in the G10 space were doing as well. And they were doing the complete opposite. The ECB was expanding its balance sheet under its first QE program, which began in January 2015. They turned to negative rates in the middle of 2014. You had an oil price crash In the middle of 2014, which resulted in the Norges Bank, Bank of Canada slashing rates in 2015. And basically, all G10 central banks were cutting rates or expanding balance sheets. We had Abenomics, of course, in Japan. But the Fed moved forward with tapering and rate hikes. And of course, thrown in on top of all of that, you had the the china financial markets crisis and after the de-pegging of of the the cny and dollar cny jumping so an awful lot happened and the surge in the us dollar as a consequence resulted in inflation expectations plunging and now going forward from here given COVID was such a global development and, and i'm not ignoring the fact that there will be uneven growth developments as vaccinations are at different stages in different places, but compared to the last monetary tightening cycle, the the, the cycle that lies ahead for us is going to be much, much more coordinated and synchronized within the G10 space. And I think that means that the the path for the US dollar is going to be very, very different this time than than the last time. And indeed, if you look at the OAS forward market, the pricing in the G10 space, there are now a number of central banks that have uh, rate hikes priced before the Federal Reserve, so Canada, Norges Bank, and uh, Australia, not anymore, New Zealand. So again, there's going to be some central banks moving before the Fed, we think, and much more synchronized, and therefore the upside for the US dollar is much, much more limited.
1: And thus why some of our colleagues have named this the, the dovish taper or the tantrumless taper. I guess we need to wait and see if that plays out exactly you know it,
2: it uh, i think as i said the, the, the evidence to date suggests they're being much much more cautious uh, and again I, I always mention the <clears throat> the monetary policy strategy announcements at, at jackson hole in in august of last year and i do think it is it is shaping a changed reaction function of the federal reserve today and i don't think we would be at this stage in previous episodes of coming out of monetary um, stimulus, the, the Fed probably would have moved by now. But again, that, that new framework means they can, be, uh, they can run looser policy for much longer.
1: You mentioned the RBA, the RBNZ. You also mentioned China there. I mean, I guess given my place in Asia, uh, I should be asking about what the impact of the Fed's actions and the, the central banks uh, across the board might have on the Asian economies. Can we touch on that briefly?
2: Yeah, like I think when we talk about the investor angst or investor concerns about what lies ahead, you know, as usual, you can rattle off many different concerns that investors would have. COVID and the unevenness of vaccination rollouts means we have potentially uneven growth patterns globally, which can create volatility. So that's certainly one. I think. In, in terms of Asia, specifically, another, another concern that's often cited is, of course, this push in terms of this regulatory crackdown that's taking place in China and that disrupting sentiment across the Asian region. And there is evidence of Asian equity market underperformance. And I think that certainly is a risk that we need to be mindful of. I think... Crucial in all of that, though, on top of that, is is COVID and the fact that COVID across Asia is at a very different stage to to, to Europe and, and the United States. I do, and and of course, part of the supply bottleneck problem is the fact that Asia, as a as a production center for global goods, is being impacted more just as demand is picking up in terms of goods and services across across other uh, parts of the world. So I think that's that's a key concern. Our assumption is, though, that you know the, the COVID vaccination rates will even out and we're already seeing that. You know, Asia is catching up with Europe and with the United States, where the vaccination rates have slowed as essentially we look like we're reaching saturation points in terms of being able to vaccinate more people. So that evenness should become more evident and therefore growth should start to pick up in Asia relative to, uh, to the rest of the world reducing those bottlenecks, reducing further the concerns about transitory inflation, which ultimately should be positive in relation to, to risk appetite. So that's our kind of core assumption. And of course, that would be good news for the Asian region. We're already seeing it in Japan, like the the X index is surging. We've seen a, a big outperformance, 8% so far in the month of September. Uh, and that's partly on optimism in relation to the improved vaccination rollout in japan so i think that the prospects are improving and that kind of growth differential is is something that should recede which is a which is a positive for asia the risk of course is the regulatory crackdown. we need to we need to monitor that it's difficult to predict but it's it's certainly a risk that needs to be monitored
1: well let's hope for those prospects improving for all of us around the globe derek thank you so much for your insight and thank you everyone for joining We look forward to giving further updates in the future. Thanks, Matt.
0: Thank you for listening to the MUFG APEC Insights Podcast. This episode is available on Podbean, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Rate, review, and subscribe, and reach out to an MUFG sales representative for business inquiries.